came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come to America. Good morning, New York and metropolitan area. We have a great show for you today. So many things happening. We have Zach Williams on what's going on in Albany, New York. We have the governor of New Jersey, Governor Murphy. We have Peter King, Ed Cox, Governor Patterson, Steve Cates, Dr. Michalos. And let's start off the show with Mike Stoller on what's going on in real estate in New York. Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning, I am... I have the pleasure of having my friend John Adams, the executive vice president in charge of multifamily residential and lending at the Flagstar NA and New York Community Bank. Thanks for being here, John. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back with you again, this time over the airwaves rather than the television. Okay. So this has been a very interesting week in banking. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a very hectic weekend. I'm sure anyone in banking, their phones were ringing, um, as mine was from late Saturday, all day Sunday. Um, unfortunately, there was, uh, you know, the old story of it's a wonderful life, run on the bank. And there were two banks, uh, prominent regional banks of size um, over on the West Coast and here in New York that uh, unfortunately had that happen to them. Now, the New York Bank Signature Bank. Uh, was a major competitor to you in the multifamily and the re- in the real estate lending focus. What happened with the clients over there? Okay, so basically my understanding from everything that I read, and it's a shame because not only were they a competitor, but they were friends. They are friends, and um, hopefully that you know they'll find their way and land on their feet. And I'm sure a lot of the staff will will stay on based on whatever happens going forward, whatever steps into the driver's seat. But my understanding is based on their um, investments in what they focused on. Uh, the cryptocurrency did not help. Um, we are more traditional than that. We stayed away. Um, a lot of the deposits that they had were uh, what most of us care about when we deposit our money in a bank. They weren't FDIC insured. So when people were reading about some of the um, challenges that they were being faced with, uh, they said, you know, maybe we should pull our money out. Monday morning, what happened to the people over there? Were, you, were your windows crowded? Were people saying, I want to move the money out of their other accounts at Signature and to go to New York Community Bank? Great question. We were ready. Uh, but what the government ended up doing, they ended up backstopping both banks, Silicon Valley as well as Signature, and they insured all their deposits. Let's talk about New York Community Bank, a, a, one of the most active multifamily residential lenders definitely in the New York region over there. So what happens to somebody with a commitment who had a loan with you? Business we, as usual? Business as usual. Our committee meetings are still ongoing. Uh, we're approving deals. Obviously, our credit quality, we're not going to compromise. We never have. Um, So we're still focused on that. We are still looking to build our portfolio to be more of relationships rather than runoff. So we would like not only to lend you money, but we also want to, you know, manage your money. 
which is what most regional banks like, because obviously we all know it's cheaper to lend your own money than to have to borrow it. So with regard to that, let's talk about you focusing in where, where do you want to lend money to, which type of people, and which asset classes? Again, multifamily um, is still our uh, product of choice. Uh, obviously, we do dabble in some commercial real estate. Uh, uh, obviously, we have some office here in the city, which we all know right now is um, also uh, has its own path that is going down. But that was never really a, a big product for us. So multifamily to seasoned owners um, that have um, some net worth behind them and their companies that we could manage both the loan side as well as the deposit side is, is still who our, our target customer is. Now, with regard to the construction business, I, you've stayed away from that. Now, Signature did also, but they have a, a very large portfolio with regard to the private equity firms. Where do you see yourself in the construction phase, uh, pre-Signature and now? Pre-Signature, um, again, like you said, we were not very active with the acquisition development construction uh, type of uh, lending, but we did. Uh, we have a few borrowers in our in our wheelhouse that we continue to look at deals for. Um, they need to work on uh, on a rental fallback position, depending on what type of property that it is. But we've remained relatively conservative as far as recourse and uh, loan loan to cost and whatnot. But I will tell you that um, Flagstar, um, our new partner, that we closed on back at the end of 22. Um, they have a fairly large home builder finance program uh, where they deal with the top 200, or I should say we, now deal with the top 200 uh, builders throughout the country. Um, and they deal with a lot of land acquisition, site improvement, and all the way through to home construction and completion. But that's handled in a different area of, of the company. I primarily still continue to focus on cash flowing multifamilies. What effect is the legislation and uh, the tax reforms and the 2019 Act having on your renting, you know, the multifamily lending? It's a great question. Um, like most of us who uh, lent in the rent-regulated arena here in uh, New York City, um, it did kind of stymie your business model in that the you know, activity for refinancing and pulling out cash did kind of stop. Um, what didn't totally stop, but just the same uh, velocity was not is not there anymore. So, in order to you know continue to uh, grow and and you know provide earnings for our shareholders, we followed our relationships with uh, those folks here in the city who um, wanted to continue to grow their business models went outside of New York and they followed uh, areas that had positive growth, not only in population. But in jobs, low unemployment, uh, they did their research on the MSAs. We followed them, but then we did our own due diligence. So we were fortunate enough to have some, you know, great relationships that you know did branch out beyond New York, and um, we followed them. And uh, it really was a great business model to build on from from the New York market. Yeah, if I would be negligent if I didn't talk about this ICS program that certain of the banks are getting involved with, with deposits that to make the individuals feel comfortable. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, again, that's a new product in, in my vocabulary, but I did get somewhat up to speed because we have been asked about it and we do participate. Um, it's basically a program of banks that join this network, and your customer is aware, but if you have a customer that has a deposit balance that exceeds uh, FDIC insurance, you basically participate it out 
to them and they get reciprocal deposits back to you. So you don't end up losing the amount of deposits you have. It just gets diversified for that particular customer and they get one, one statement. And it's pretty simple from my understanding. Uh, so those folks who feel that they may have a, a concern with uh, a deposit balance that exceeds FDIC insurance, ask your bank. How do you foresee the year for you guys, especially in light of what's happening in the in the business and the, the bank failure world? Well, I think we're all going to you know, continue to walk slow. Um, we're going to walk with eyes wide open. Uh, we're not closing shop. We are, again, open for business. Um, even though rates look like they've come down the past couple of days, if that's how you benchmark your, your pricing, if you're still borrowing money to lend money, that hasn't come down. You know, the Fed needs to start reducing rates so it makes it more beneficial for lenders to have a more attractive spread. Um, but there are deals that need to get done, and borrowers, regardless of what the cost is to them, they still feel that they need to make a transaction happen. And so we're, we're, we're in business. We're not going to have the same year like we had in 22, but we'll be okay. NYCB has been in business. They've looked after their customers. There's no question they, they're going to be there. And I'm certain with John Adams and the rest of the team, everything will be good. I'd like to thank John Adams for being here. This is Michael Sola for the Cats Roundtable. Uh, this is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable. Only in America can a guy from anywhere go to sleep and wake up a millionaire. We have real great stories this morning. Get your hot cup of coffee ready because you're going to need it. With us today is Ed Cox. And a good friend, uh, almost family, and uh, well, he's been family. And uh, he's the new chairman of New York State GOP. Uh, well, congratulations, Ed Cox, and uh, give us your vision of what you're going to accomplish as the new chairman. Well, we're coming in with a great team that's been through the fire of redistricting and won the big redistricting fight and did the part of the 17 million independent uh, funding for Lee Zeldin's campaign, and now we're working for the state committee. And the vision is we're going to win. Win. That's what we have to do. We won with respect to the House of Representatives, so we've got a, a majority in the House of Representatives, thanks to the 11, historic 11 representatives that we elected from New York to the House, Republicans that we elected to the House of Representatives. But... We need to win in Albany. We need to beat the super PAC, the super uh, majorities that the Democrats have in the Assembly and that they have in the Senate in Albany. We're within one uh, senator of doing it in the state Senate, and we're within three of doing it in the Assembly. And that's going to be our main task. How many in the state Senate? Uh, the total number? Yes. They, yeah, how many do you need to... Uh, well, just one. Just one more gotcha. seat that we pick up. And yeah, here's tell our us the big items. Here's, a, here's our policy. Safe streets, first of all. You need safe streets. You also need good jobs. And you need good schools. It's very simple and straightforward. But the Democrats who run all of Albany with their supermajorities and with the governor are just looking another way. Now, I understand that these people, uh, are the, uh, that... They want to reinstall a, 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 a judge in, that, in the system 
that's going to do everything uh, the Democrats want in the. This uh, is what they're trying to do. They they forced the chief judge out, uh, Janice De Fiore, and they want to replace her with a judge who will do their bidding. And the way they have done it is they rejected a very prestigious, good judge, happens to be Hispanic, and uh, they they nixed him at the committee level, and they had to fix the committee, move some members out, move some others in. And 10 to 9, they rejected for the first time in the history of uh, New York State in appointing judges to the highest court. The st- Senate rejected the, uh, the nomination of the governor of New York State. It is historic. They want to tell the governor, we're going to tell you who you nominate. And if you nominate anyone else, we're going to reject them. And we'll do it at the committee level because it's very easy for us to do that. Ed Cox. The kids are getting hurt in the education system. Uh, I've seen some of the numbers, and they're really, really getting hurt in the public school system. In the public school system in New York State, we have it's about $30,000 per student. It is the highest of any school system by far in the United States, and yet we only have, at best, an average uh, results from it. This is just completely shocking, and the the possibilities of reform, for instance, in New York City, where the mayor has control of the school system, the education committee in the legislature, the Democrats would only give him two-year extension of his, of his control of the schools, in essence saying, hey, if we don't like what you do, we're going to end your control of the schools. And that is a threat. They, they really, so you have to do our bidding. In other words, they're trying to own everybody. They want to own the mayor of New York. They want to own the governor. They want to own everything. Exactly, John. It's all about power. They have complete power. Power corrupts. It's corrupting them completely, and they just want more power, almost for its own sake. Well, I think what you you want to make a difference is here, especially in the city council. And uh, what do you hear uh, about the Chicago race? uh, uh, April 4th is the deadline there. Yeah, April 4th is the deadline there. We'll have to see what happens in that race. Hopefully, Paul Valls has a wonderful, wonderful record with respect to schools and education, and he's taken a very tough stand on crime, which is why I think he came out ahead of the pack uh, in the primary in, uh, in, in Chicago. Well, Ed Cox, thank you for your vision, and God bless you, and God bless America. We want, a, we want the best for our city, and we want the best for our state. And we want the best for our country. Thank you. You bet, John. Thank you. With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky. And we with him every Sunday. And we look up in the sky and we wonder, what the heck is going on? And Steve Cates, he tells us, Steve, good morning, Sunday morning. What's going on this week? John, switching over to space here with Elon Musk and his genius and what he's trying to do to move out to space He's had some unsuccessful launches of Starship. This is the stainless steel rocket that hopefully will get to the moon and Mars. But there's a pending launch. Nobody has an exact date because the FAA has to give clearance to his Boca Chica location in southern Texas. What is this? It's a 394-foot-tall rocket in which Starship is on top. The 230-foot booster is supposed to go to space, and this will be a test. But Elon Musk has admitted rather humbly that there could be a 50% chance that the whole rocket could explode on the launch pad because nothing is guaranteed. But on the positive side, 
If that rocket does go successfully and return with the soft landings of the booster and the Starship, think of it, John. This is the most powerful rocket to date that would be launched, 17 million pounds of thrust. So we wish Elon Musk the best because, I don't know, that man's brain is just advanced and he's doing some incredible Mm. things, I'm sure you would agree. And, you know, we always have something that we want to share with the audience here, the mystery of the week. And this one's a deep one. If you talk about a subject called string theory, what's that? That's the study of the tiniest things in nature. But there may be upwards of 10 different dimensions out there. And that what we see is the warpage of space-time experiencing gravity. Some of this gravity is leaking out into these other other worldly dimensions. And that alone is something that we should – and I'll be doing my own investigation in great detail on this. But it's so fascinating that simply gravity is not just us being pulled to the center of the Earth. Overall, John, it's the simplicity of the average bodies or whatever mass, like a person, an object, a planet – is actually something called the warpage of space-time. Sounds complicated, probably is, and that's the stuff, John, of quantum physics. I don't understand dimensions. We know the four dimensions, uh, you know, length, width, height, time. Hmm? Yes. So you try to explain, if you understand it, the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension, what can they be? Something to do with consciousness has also some kind of interrelationship to what we can experience in this dimensional world. Because think of it this way in closing. Those that we love that have passed on, as I call it, to the infinite after this life, they could be as close to us as maybe within 20 feet or 5 feet, who knows, in an interdimensional plane that our bodies and minds can't understand. And that's the stuff, John, that we talk about here. And sharing and closing, finally, to talk about the live sky. What a beautiful time we have in the end here of March. The moon goes to new. It's a great time for those that have clear skies to get out there and look at nature. Because what's the main premise of what we do here on your show here on Sundays? We open people's minds, at least that's what I'm hoping I'm doing, and certainly you are, in talking about these mysteries of the universe, things that get away from politics and the different news of the world that might be depressing to some. But I'm so happy to be here and share this on WABCradio.com with the Dr. Sky podcast and blogs, John. And like we always say, what? Always remember to keep your eyes to the skies and your minds open to great concepts that we talk about here on every Sunday morning. And uh, Dr. Sky, Steve, thank you for expanding our minds on a Sunday morning. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you, John. Have a good morning. And now I understand we got Dr. Peter Michalos on the phone. Yeah, he's our resident genius of about everything. He's our everything. resident genius. Let's see, uh, bring him in. Yeah, in fact, uh, Dr. Peter Michalos, you've got some big stuff on vitamin D and cancer. Uh, tell us about this. Well, first of all, uh, great to be with you guys this evening. And uh, there's amazing things happening with vitamin D. And I think COVID brought about a lot more research on vitamin D. It turns out it's actually not a vitamin. It turns out that vitamin D is really a hormone. And we can get it from either diet, the UVB sunlight from being in the sun, or we can get it from supplementation. And it turns out that they studied and published in the JAMA, uh, which is the Journal of American Medical Association, that persons who were taking vitamin D and had higher levels had a much lower risk of getting colon cancer, breast cancer, and all cancers overall. And we've learned that vitamin D plays a role in immunity, and it helps us protect against things like COVID. And now the studies are clear that those with low vitamin D did not fare as well with COVID. 
and those with high vitamin D did much better. But the cancer study was very significant, a 17% lower uh, cancer rate. And also, if they found if someone had the proper body mass index or in a, in a normal weight for their height, those people did even better, up to 38% less cancer. And some people who had higher vitamin D levels also tolerated chemotherapy better and seemed to go into remission for longer periods of time. So that's another exciting thing about uh, vitamin D and how helpful it can be. And also the form of vitamin D you take, especially for women, they should probably take talk to their doctors first. But the recommendation is take vitamin D K2, which is together with another vitamin. It seems that it gets absorbed better in the bone when you take it in that form than ending up in, uh, with, with calcium sometimes. It ends up more in the arteries, but the vitamin D K2 seems to be the better form of vitamin D as recent research is showing. So all these things are exciting. So ask your doctor to start vitamin D. The thing with vitamin D is when you start it, you got to check your blood levels because the doctor tells you, oh, your D is low. And then you start taking it, but then six months later, a year later, they forget to tell you to check your levels because the mnemonic is ADEC, A-D-E-K, are fat-soluble. They stay in your system. So you can actually get very high levels of vitamin D. So your goal is you want to be somewhere around 40 to 50 to optimize your immunity, to optimize your uh, ability to fight off cancers. And this is uh, exciting news in the medical field. <laughs> By the way, I, you have to laugh. Uh, I'm going to call my doctor right away. I've been notes. taking vitamin D and, and I haven't gotten back to Everybody in the studio is taking notes. By the way, the only other person who told me, by the way, Dr. Mihalos, um, about the vitamin uh, D K2 is the guy sitting next to me, John Katsimatidis. Well, I got Dr. Michalos. <laughs> and I, I, I must make a disclosure. Me and Dr. Michalos on our last blood test, we had similar vitamin D3 levels, almost 40, which is excellent. Wow. Well, really interesting. Dr. Peter Mihalos, uh, we love having you on. Uh, we took tons of notes, and I know everybody listening out there did, too. Uh, you always have the best stuff, Peter. I'm going to buy a dozen uh, bottles of vitamin D3 with K2 and give them to my friends as presents. Oh, well, now we know what we're getting for Christmas. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Gift of life. And listen to WABC for future health tips, because we want to keep our audience happy, healthy, and alive. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Listening to the show where you can hear New York's top newsmakers. It's the Cats Roundtable. Comes true on Sunday in New York. It's Sunday morning. We have one great show for you today. With us this morning is Zach Williams, the number one star in the New York Post, reporting news from Albany. And New York area. Good morning, Zach. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, John. Tell us, what the heck is going on? We're, we're looking for a future for New York City and New York State uh, uh, with your budget coming up on April 1st. Uh, what's going on? Well, we're just uh, less than two 
weeks now away from that April 1st state budget deadline, and a few key issues are still dividing Governor Kathy Hochul, the state Senate Majority Leader, and Stuart Cousins, and Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie. Now, bail is certainly at the very top. You know, both chambers released um, what you might say were their budgetary wish lists this, uh, on Thursday, actually, and not, neither the state Senate nor the Assembly backed her proposed bail changes, you know, changing that least restrictive standard that we've discussed before that some judges say prevents them from imposing bail in some cases where otherwise the underlying crime would be eligible to possibly hold somebody on cash bail ahead of their trial. So there's that one. There's also the proposed charter school expansion, also rejected by both the chambers. And then Hoko has a different battle going on with this housing plan. You know, she wants to set um, local targets, 3% for downstate, 1% for upstate. A lot of suburbanites are up in arms about what they say um, this would do to their own local zoning authority. And there's just uh, 13 days left. But growing chatter that maybe just maybe the governor will hold out and they'll actually miss that deadline. And from there, who knows where things could go? Well, uh, you know, many people have said that the future of New York City, New York State, especially with these bail laws, people are moving out of New York, 484,000 of them out of New York City, New York State in the last 24 months. And the drain continues. If they keep making these enormous, enormous budgets, who's going to pay the taxes, uh, uh, Zach? Well, people more than, uh, who make more than $5 million, according to the state Senate and Assembly, they're actually proposing an increase in income taxes, which is kind of an interesting counter in some ways to a very controversial tax that the governor has proposed an increase in, the, compu- the commuter mobility tax. You know, that's the one on employers on the based on the employees that they hire. And that's another one that the suburbanites hate. Now the progressives in the state legislature, they want to increase income taxes. And if that doesn't happen or the commuter tax doesn't get increased, then, you know, you got to cut spending. That's never an easy thing to do in budget negotiations. So that's the big item in the state. Anything else going on that you want to tell New Yorkers about? Well, something that's really big that was in the New York Post, I can't take credit for myself. Uh, My colleague reported it, but former President Donald Trump says that he will be arrested Tuesday in regards to the ongoing investigation by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Now, if this is true, and, you know, we know the former president And if this turns out to be accurate, you know, this would be huge. Um, You know, there's been a years-long investigation going back to when Cy Vance was the Manhattan District Attorney into the future president, the president, and now the former president, Um, a lot of it based on his business in the real estate industry and whether he inflated the values of this asset. This, though, would be in relation to the Stormy Daniels affair and the hush money payment that he allegedly made, ahead of the 2016 election. Now, the big thing is here, you know, people got opinions about Donald Trump, that's for sure. You know, there's a 2024 election is looming. Some people have wondered whether his political star is waning on the political right. And this is the type of thing that kind of gives that, you know, the former president that father that he loves to play the victim. And, you know, that might make some Republicans, you know, look at him again and think, hey, you know, They really are going after him after all these years. Now, uh, Alvin Bragg or people on the political left will point out, hey, hush money payments are illegal. 
And if he did it, he ought to be punished, former president or not. But we all know with Donald Trump, no matter what, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> you know, there's well, going to be a lot of people arguing about it, and we'll just have to see what the indictment uh, ends up saying. My position is it's uh, – uh, I think they're going a little bit too far. Uh, that woman was trying to shake him down uh, on it, and his lawyer made the payment. And it's usually a uh, misdemeanor. Uh, and it's a two-year limitation on misdemeanors, and it's beyond two years. So it, it, they're trying to upgrade it to a felony. So it's a stretch. Alvin Bragg is going a little bit too far. And I think he'll probably have more support for Donald Trump because they are going a little bit too far. I mean, if you have a national referendum, who is more guilty in the world? Hunter Biden getting tens of millions of dollars from from uh, the Chinese, which might lead to treason, or Donald Trump paying off a prostitute? What say well, you? Well, I'd have to. I would. I would have to. Well. First of all, if people do stuff that's illegal, then, you know, they should all get punished in my book. You know, I suspect that Alvin Bragg is not going to perp walk Donald Trump. That said, you know, it's going to be TV cameras, all sorts of crazy of him going in. We always know how Trump, you know, kind of plays a tough guy, you know, and those kind of things. But I would just point out that Tom DeLay, the congressman from Texas from many years ago, showed how to handle a mugshot by putting on his suit, combing his hair, and just giving a big thumbs up. We'll see how Trump performs. And, uh, you know, how Donald Trump looks is going to determine how Donald Trump reacts. And how Donald Trump reacts, probably, you know, besides Alvin Bragg himself, is going to be the key factor in all of this. You know, he walks in, looks tough, you know, looks like he's holding his own. That's one thing. But if somehow Donald Trump is put in some position where he looks foolish, oh, boy, we don't, you know, who knows what can happen. The guy was president for four years. We saw all sorts of ways these things can go. Zach, Zach Williams, I think so. we, we talked about the two top stories uh, uh, for New York City, New York State, and I pray for New York, and I pray for its common sense in our city, state, and our country. Thank you so much for giving uh, all the metropolitan area an update. Thanks for having me, John. With us today is former Congressman Peter King, and uh, he wants to update. He said, what, what things are bothering him at 3 o'clock in the morning? Uh, Congressman King... What keeps you up after, uh, besides uh, St. Patrick's Day that we celebrated the other day, what else keeps you up? Well, I'm still recovering from that. But what bothers me at 3 o'clock in the morning and right now at 8 o'clock in the morning is just that the border situation gets worse by the day. And uh, the president seems to be oblivious to it, seems to be blind to it. Uh, and uh, this is going to have such an impact, not just in the border states and the people that live along the border, but throughout the country. We've seen here in New York all of the illegal immigrants coming here the burden that puts on New Yorkers. And listen, all of us want to take care of people in need, but our first obligation is to our own. And we've had enough people unemployed in New York. We've had enough companies closing down, enough people moving out, creating job situations, that we have to take care of our own people first. And uh, I, I think the mayor is trying to do the right thing. I wish he was more critical of the president and putting the pressure on the president. Eric Adams has a real uh, bully pulpit. He's becoming known around the country. And I think that the uh, president, whether he likes it or not, would have to respond well, if, or at least would make some response if Eric Adams really put the pressure on regarding the burden this is putting on New York taxpayers, New York businesses, and the average unemployed person or homeless uh, veteran in our city.
They need the help first. April 1st is the deadline, the deadline where the uh, uh, governor of uh, New York has to have the showdown with the state Senate. And uh, there was a couple of articles last week that uh, she may be making progress. You, you hear anything? Well, I give her credit now. I think she's kind of late to the game, but she is trying. She realized this is really the last card she has for a while is the budget. The governor has extraordinary powers under the New York budget. Now, the problem is the Democrats in the Assembly and the State Senate, they seem to be going ahead with their own budget proposals. And uh, she has a, uh, you know, they have a veto-proof majority. So I'm not, I, I never remember this being a situation in Albany before where a governor's own party stood up to them. Certainly it didn't happen under Rockefeller or Kerry or either of the Cuomo's. George Pataki has been a fight sometimes, but in the end they get it done. I just hope that she can talk sense into these Democrats. Let them look at the results in the mayor's race in Chicago, where a liberal progressive mayor who really checked all the boxes. She was a African, African-American lesbian. She was anti-cop, all of the things that the progressives say they want. And yet she only got 17 percent of the vote in the Democratic primary. It's 83 percent of the voters, of the Democratic voters in Chicago voted out a mayor who had been responsible for such a large, large increase in crime. And that's just going to happen. And that's going to be another decision. There's a big uh, mayor's race in uh, Chicago, April 4th. And we have uh, 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 Paul Vallis, uh, who is supposedly a common sense uh, Democrat, uh, was a school chancellor, versus uh, uh, Dan uh, uh, Johnson, who's supposedly worse than, uh, you know, Lightfoot. If Ballas is not elected, the people of Chicago have no one to blame but themselves. I mean, this has been, uh, they have the opportunity now. They made a big mistake a few years ago. This is their opportunity to reverse that mistake, get it over with, get it behind them, and move, move on and go forward. Because, I mean, Chicago, listen, we think things are tough here in New York, and they are. But we have more than twice the population of Chicago, and yet we, uh, they, I think proportionally, have like three times more murders being committed than we do. So what's happening in Chicago is just uh, it's, it's a disgrace. And I used to spend a lot of time in Chicago. It's a wonderful city. Uh, it's a strong city. But, wow, it's really, really crumbling right now. Congressman King, uh, you were in the Homeland Security uh, Committee when you were in Congress. And uh, what keeps you, with the things going on today, what keeps you up at 3 o'clock in the morning? I would say the main thing, John, is we always have to be concerned about terrorism because it's there. And as we're focusing on uh, uh, you know, the uh, southern border, as we're focusing on Ukraine, as we're focusing on China, we hope we don't take our eye off uh, I- ISIS, al-Qaeda, Islamist terrorists, because they are constantly plotting against us. The other one is, and I never fully understood all this, but the attack uh, on a, a computer system, the hacking in by Iran, by Russia, by China, the damage they can cause. And uh, so these are all things we have to be concerned about. And, of course, there's always a threat of nuclear war we have to be concerned about. But I would say the main one right now is probably the hacking into our key uh, uh, metrics, whether it's the Defense Department, whether it's uh, energy, whatever. That, to me, is a real concern. Congressman Peter King, thank you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. We continue with Common Sense Conversation on the Cats Roundtable where we listen to all sides. With us today is Governor David Patterson, and uh, he's got some new revelations on a Sunday morning. He had a big party in Albany on Friday. 
Governor Patterson, tell us what the heck happened on Friday. Friday was the 15th anniversary of the day I took office, which was March 17th, St. Patrick's Day of 2008. And it, with all of the craziness that went on in the week before then to the time that I was sworn in, it got even crazier at different times. The week before, March 10th, I'm in my office and I get this phone call and I am basically apprised of the fact that the governor is going to resign in an hour because he was caught in a prostitution scandal. And so I called up the other state leaders and um, left messages. And the first one to call me back was Senator Hillary Clinton. And she says, Governor, what? She says, uh, is there something uh, going on down there? And I said, yeah, in, in about 40 minutes, I'm going to become governor. She goes, oh, my God, what happened? And I said, no, the governor's health is fine. It's just that he's going to resign. She said, well, why is he going to resign, David? And I thought, how do you explain a sex scandal to Hillary Clinton? But that was how my administration started. But the night before I'm sworn in, um, Bear Stearns had to be bailed out at 2% of its value by the United States government. And Lehman Brothers and other banks would go down in the succeeding days. So here I am about to be sworn in as governor without very much preparation. And I get a phone call from my office and they said, President Bush would like to wish you well. So at the time, I was just coming out of the shower. I thought I had to be dressed when the president called. <laughs> no, no, it's not like he was FaceTiming me or something, but I just felt I had to be dressed and I just get my tie done, I'm all dressed. President Bush calls up and John, I swear, because you know him, he says, what's going on up there? <laughs> I said, well, I guess a whole lot. He goes, man, he said, but my people tell me you can handle it. I said, Mr. President, with all due respect, your people have been wrong before. And, and then I think this isn't Bush. This is my staff putting up some comedian to you know, try to lighten the atmosphere for me. But then President Bush says, by the way, um, have you gone in the guest room at the mansion yet? And I said, no. And he said, well, go in there and look. I signed the book. I'm the only president of the United States that ever spent the night in New York's executive mansion. And I'm thinking, boy, am I glad I didn't say something inappropriate to the president of the United States when I thought it wasn't him. But we and went he, on. he spent time. When did he spend time in the uh, mansion? He spent time, I believe, in 2004 with Governor Pataki in the, in the mansion. And so he's the only president that a actually uh, ever spent any, you know, time sp overnight at, at the executive mansion. Wow. In the weeks afterward... We had this tremendous problem, a problem that's happening right now. Banks going down, the uh, stimulus that drove the economy and inflation up, affecting the population, and then, of course, the fear that other banks may go down, and the recklessness of some people who were in charge of those banks because it really wasn't as much the run on the banks that the consumers were making. It was that these banks were over-investing in highly, uh, in, uh, you know, in uh, uh, these different forms of in, of investing. Well, they were they were over. No, they were. If I remember correctly, that far back, they were they were over investing, and they did the. Uh, in, in other words, they did the same deal uh, uh, fifty times and just did it over and over and over again, and uh, they were highly leveraged, and it became a, an arbitrage scandal. And currently, 
they were doing not only doing it, but they were doing it with cryptocurrency, which is unreliable in the first place, and it's caused a huge mess. But well, the big mess now was created by the Fed raised interest rates so fast that uh, the value of the bonds in the bank's portfolio and the value of the real estate declined so fast significantly and significantly where it created a problem but uh, uh on friday uh, we had bonnie frank uh on who was on the signature board of directors and uh, we had the motto on last week that was on the signature board of directors and i don't think they should have closed down signature bank and put the shareholders out of business but uh, they could have put a monitor in there to yeah. put monitors well, in both well, situations well right now john the uh, signature bank's being run by the fdic and they have pretty much restored the capacity of those who have resources in the bank, and I'll just tell you, I'm one of them, <laughs> to uh, be able to move their money um, uh, for some period of time. But it really is a bad omen for going into the uh, summer now with some problems, some economic problems in this country that are familiar to me that went on in uh, 2008, 2009, and we have got to avoid uh, any of the mistakes being remade again in just such a short period of time. What is today is Governor Philip Murphy of New Jersey, the first Democratic governor to be elected two terms in a long time, uh, has uh, made new head roads in, in New Jersey, and He's a pretty popular guy, and uh, we have him with us this morning. Good good morning, Governor. How are you? I'm great, John. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Tell me, uh, New Jersey uh, uh, is a a big state. Uh, It sits right next to uh, uh, New York. Uh, When you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, what problems worry you about New Jersey? Uh, Again, it's great to be with you. I got elected and then re-elected to basically fix New Jersey. When people say, what's fix mean? I say the three things, and these these are our obsessions. Grow the economy, address inequities, and once again become fiscally responsible. So those are the things, whether it's three in the morning or whenever, those are the things that we're obsessed with. Um, We're doing well on all of those fronts. All of them are journeys. All of them are works in progress. We were upgraded three times last year for the first time in decades. We've shrunk a lot of those inequities. We've got crime going in the right direction, thank God. Um, And again, the economy is growing, including with new industries, film and television, uh, offshore wind and the green economy, sports betting, fintech, the whole range of economies, including the ones that have always been strong for us, pharmaceutical, bio, life sciences, tech, telecom. So that's our, those are our obsessions, and again, we got a long way to go, but so far, so good. Well, the big, the big problem in New York is crime um, because of the, the new bail law that Albany has come up with. Uh, do you feel you're immune from that? You have good district, good district attorneys that go after violent criminals because that's what we really worry about is violent criminals. Yeah, we, we do. And, and again, I don't want to say that and make it sound like I'm patting myself on the back that we've got all of our problems solved because we don't. Uh, But having said that, homicides, shootings, violent crimes, auto thefts are all going down and not up. It's a work in progress though. We we spend an enormous amount of our time deepening the relationship between law enforcement on the one hand and the communities they serve on the other hand. 
Um, I signed an independent prosecutor's bill, which has made a big difference, a use of force uh, bill. Uh, we've got, as you rightfully suggest, we have 21 county prosecutors, a very strong attorney general. Um, and again, we walk in each other's shoes a lot. Uh, again, that deepening of the relationship between law enforcement and the communities they serve is a, is a big obsession of ours. And I'll give you the, the, the demographic, John, that we're most concerned and obsessed about, and that is the retired homeowner. And why? Well, obviously, they're on a fixed income. Secondly, they're paying property taxes. Thirdly, 53% of their property taxes, at least in New Jersey, go toward public education. So if they're retired and Johnny and Sally have graduated from high school, we need to make sure, and they want to be in Jersey. They want to be close to their kids and their grandkids. So we put an enormous amount of emphasis on that, a program called Senior Freeze. We've got an anchor property relief, a tax relief program. Uh, we spend an enormous amount of time making life affordable, especially for everybody, but especially our seniors. And that's the, that's the biggest focus for us. There's a lot of animal lovers in New York, a lot of animal lovers in New Jersey. What's happening to the poor whales that, that are dying? Yeah, well, we take that very seriously. Um, and there are a lot of legitimate folks who, who have very specific concerns about the whale population. They want us to take it seriously, and we do. Um, we're trying to figure this out as well. The feds are taking the lead on this. And the big question we get is, is it related to offshore wind activity? And as I sit here today, there's no evidence that it is. But we take this very seriously. And, and obviously, if there is evidence, we have to factor that into our endeavors. Well, that's what we were worried about is that uh, those windmills, they're, they're, I think they're 600 feet high. They need a big foundation. And they were drilling holes into the ground and blowing holes into the ground for uh, you know, and that's what, you know, the whales have that sonar. Right. And it was just driving them crazy. You will assure all the animal lovers out there that you uh, will make sure that our whales are, are great and we'll will do, live on. We will do the right thing by the whales. Well, thank you. Thank you. Because I'm an animal lover, too. And it's just a, I love dogs. I love cats. I love whales. I'm just an animal lover. There you go. Um, uh, what else would you like to talk about? We talked about education. Now you got three new casinos hitting the New York area in the next year or so, two years. Nobody knows uh, exactly. Um, and uh, that's going to affect Atlantic City. I would, I would think it would have some effect. The good news is Atlantic City has stabilized. In the Great Recession, we lost several casinos and a lot of jobs. Uh, and, and Atlantic County, which is where Atlantic City is located, had the biggest foreclosure challenge in the United States. Thank God it's now stabilized. We're right-sized. And in fact, not only is it stabilized, you see a lot of the casino owners in Atlantic City investing significant sums. It's public knowledge, for instance, that Caesars has just put $400 million into its three properties there. So will it have an impact? I suspect it would uh, if this comes to pass. But Atlantic, Atlantic City still has its own magic, its own uniqueness. The beautiful beaches, the Atlantic Ocean, the in-bed loyalty that a lot of the customers have there. I would hope there's scope enough for, to have and both succeed, both in New York as well as in, in Jersey. Governor, last question. 
a problem that Manhattan has and a problem that New Jersey has and our outer boroughs and, and uh, uh, as well as Nassau, Suffolk, Westchester, congestion pricing. All of a sudden, they want to charge a penalty for people living in the outer boroughs, for the outer counties, New Jersey, to come into Manhattan to see their doctors, to see their lawyers. Uh, what say you? Yeah, listen, and I say this, John, as the governor with the number one environmental record, I think, of any American state over the past five years. So do we care about the environment? Absolutely. Uh, and we've got a lot of proof to, to point to. Having said that, uh, congestion pricing cannot exist on the back of our commuters, number one. Number two, for far too long before we got here, there was foot dragging on the gateway the new tunnels under the Hudson or the new Port Authority bus terminal. Both of those projects are now moving. If they were already done and the New Jersey commuter had a real alternative from driving his or her car that they could get in a bus uh, and be sure of a quick ride or a one-seat train ride, that would be one thing. Uh, but that's not the case at the moment. Um, so we want to be at the table. We want whatever happens here to be fair to New Jersey commuters. And by the way, I don't want to speak for New York, given we're all trying to get back at our Well, feet. the people who live in Manhattan are mad as heck and they can't take it well, anymore. Here's, here's the thing. If, if, you're, if we're already, all of us, in the process of struggling to get back on our feet post-pandemic, as we all are, um, the last thing it seems to me you want to do is to give people some other excuse to not be in Well, my personal opinion is I agree 110%. But there's no common sense in Albany, so I hope common sense prevails. God bless you. Me too. Governor Murphy, thank you so much for coming on, and, uh, and thank you for everything you do for the people in New Jersey, and look forward to more discussions together. Thank you, John. Thank I you. appreciate you having me, man. Thank you for listening to the Metropolitan Local Edition of the Cats Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatsroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast, get those segments that you missed, and that way you will be up to date. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see.